Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle. I'm Bobby Osinski, and this is a show all about music, music production, and the music business. My guest today is CEO of Artist Collective, Evan Price. First of all, never underestimate the power of a music placement. In 1985, Kate Bush released Running Up That Hill, which was her biggest hit by far. In the U.S., it hit number 30 on the Billboard charts, while back in her native U.K., it reached number three. Not a huge hit, not a worldwide hit, respectable nonetheless. Then came the Netflix show Stranger Things last year, which featured running up that hill in a crucial spot. Since then, it's garnered one billion Spotify streams. What's interesting here is we only know what's on Spotify. Imagine just how many other streams running up that hill is acquired from Apple Music and Amazon Music and all the other streaming services. On YouTube, it's been just as successful. 326 million views just last year. And it's still going strong at about 12.8 million per month. Now, an interesting aside about the song, Kate originally entitled it Make a Deal with God. In fact, that is central to the chorus lyrics. But the record label persuaded her to change the title because at least back in 1985, having God in the title, they perceived it as a potential hindrance to sales. Anyway, it just goes to show you the power of just one placement. And while running up that hill might be an outlier, getting a cut on the right show can bring a lot more success than ever anticipated. If you have any comments or questions, you can send them to questions at bobbyosinski.com. Also, I'm pleased to announce that the fifth edition of my Recording Engineer's Handbook is now available. It's totally updated and includes new sections on the latest cutting-edge recording technology, multiple ways to mic over 70 different instruments, a new chapter on recording immersive audio, new hitmaker engineer interviews, and much more. To get your copy, go to rebrand.ly forward slash recording engineers handbook. That's rebrand.ly forward slash recording handbook. You can also find it on Amazon and Apple Books. Now, last year I went to Iceland for four days. I spent two days in Reykjavik down south and two days in Accuary up north. And I have to say it was a fantastic trip. Iceland is really wonderful and so are the people. But now Iceland has developed a program to become a creative hub in the middle of the Atlantic where it's thinking North American artists can stop over on their way to Europe and vice versa. This has become the Music in Iceland program. The new program reimburses artists up to 25% of their recording-related costs. Now, this includes studio recording time, wages, travel expenses, lodging, post-production work, and other related expenses. Now, the best thing is there's no minimum budget. So if you only have a couple thousand dollars, you can go there and record just with that and still get up to 25% reimbursed. But to be eligible, artists must release at least 14 minutes of music to the public within 18 months of their Iceland recording sessions. Iceland originally started a very similar film in Iceland program in 1999, and just last year that brought in 50 million to the country with about 15 million in reimbursements. The reimbursement rate is now up to 35% in that program, and there's no minimum at all, just like in music. The only thing is, you need to spend at least $2.6 million to get the 35% reimbursement. For music, though, there's a catch. Only the artists can get their travel and lodging reimbursed, not session players. 
And if the flights and lodging make up more than 50% of the budget, then the reimbursement won't be approved. So if you're looking for a really great place to record with some excellent financial incentives, check out Iceland. It's a great place to spend some creative time. My guest on today's episode is Evan Price, who's an artist manager, educator, branding specialist, and CEO of Artist Collective. At age 14, Evan started his first promotion company and eventually went on to managing rappers and nine-piece bands in Chicago. He launched Artist Collective out of his Columbia College dorm room while obtaining his bachelor's degree in music business. Since then, he's launched 100-plus music brands, transforming artists and musicians into artistpreneurs. During the interview, we talked about thinking about marketing a release in advance, motivating artists to think more about business, getting artists to understand their branding, overcome limiting beliefs, and much more. I spoke with Evan via Zoom from his office in Chicago. Give me some of your background, how you get into the music business. Yeah, so my background, I started as a musician myself. I played in drums for a couple bands, and I slowly developed the skills of an entrepreneur and eventually built a promotion company, I worked in marketing. I worked with a blues artist in Chicago. I wore a lot of hats, tried a lot of different things. Ultimately kind of brought me to music consulting, um, working with musician entrepreneurs that I call artistpreneurs to help them build a business around their skills and find their audience online. Okay, so that's a kind of a big jump when you go from musician to where you are now. And I understand it completely because I went through something similar, but it took a while to get there. What was the impetus for you to go, "Mm, you know what, maybe I'm better over here? Yeah, I think it was just where I found the most joy is being a musician was fun. It was cool. You know, I started at 14 playing in a garage with my with my best friends. Um, And it was a good time. But I I found myself creeping more towards the business building stuff. And how are we going to make money? Like I became the band manager and like, it's just like out of necessity is where I found a lot of my skills, like uh, started to unlock. And I was like, I actually really enjoy the behind the scenes stuff more than being on stage. So it just kind of draw, drew me into that direction. Yeah, no, I get it. Let's go to Artist Collective then. So how did that come about? Yeah, so Artist Collective started again, I would say, out of necessity. I was surrounded by talented musicians and creatives, photographers, videographers, artists trying to trying to make it, trying to break into the industry. And just uh, most of them, honestly, were a little clueless on like how to actually start making money. Uh, a lot of their dreams were around like, cool, I just want to be found by somebody, an investor will find me or a label will find me and it'll just, they'll wave their magic wand and it'll happen. And I just, out of frustration, I wanted to shake them and say, no, if that happens, cool, but don't wait for that. You can build some infrastructure and learn these, these crucial skills to set yourself up for the best. So I created Artist Collective myself and a a lifelong friend, a childhood friend rather. Um, it was also in my in my band. We decided to pair up and build something that would support those people in their endeavors of trying to just do what they love for a living. I live very close to two major mastering studios, and they're my friends, so I go hang out there frequently. 
And inevitably what happens is they'll play something for me that's great. And the conversation will get to, well, what are they going to do with this? And the artists go, well, I don't know. <laughs> so basically they should have been marketing, you know, way, way, way in advance. And they don't even think about it until their single or album is done, which is way too late at that point. So how do you get it across to people that, you know, this is something that has to be thought about in advance? Yeah, um, I think that's where we need to push creatives out, not not out of creating, but also add that second skill of being an entrepreneur. How are you going to make money? Cool, if you want to do what you do and not make any money, cool, and want it to be a hobby forever, there's nothing wrong with that. But the minute you want to start making revenue from it, you have to start thinking like a business. And businesses don't think in what's happening just today. They think in three months out, one year out, five years out. So you need to create that as well as a creative. Um, you need to start thinking as a business. To answer your question, like, how do you push them into that? What I think works best for me is like just leading by example, showing what I'm doing, showing what the things that I'm focused on, like not, it's not all just about the creation of the thing. You have to think if you want to start making money, you have to start implementing these business strategies. So it's definitely tough for creatives because they're just in it. They want to create, they, that's, that's their lifeblood. That's, that's how that, that, that's where they meet their, their biggest flow state. But again, if you want to do that and not make any money and be a hobby, that's fine. But if you want to build a business, you have to think like a business. What I've noticed, well, you know this because you're a musician. Musicians want to play. And the last thing they want to think about, except for a few, there's a very few that want to think about the business, but most of them, they would rather just have somebody else take care of that, as you probably well know, because, you know, that's part of what you've done. And it's really hard for them to turn the switch to get into business mode. So I'm sure when they come to you, that's part of it as well. You have to motivate them to do that. So how do you do that? How do I motivate creatives to think of the business? Well, um, I like to think that I dangle the carrot as much as I can. What's the big thing you want to accomplish? A lot of them have never even asked themselves that. They're just like stuck in doing the thing, um, making the art, you know, working with you know, creative clients, whatever it is that their their product or service is, and they don't think about what is the big goal. So I motivate them by using their own words to help, you know, build out that path. Cool. You want to make $100,000 doing what you love. Let's break that one goal down into micro goals that you can start actionably doing each day. Um, and I think that really helps our clients to see it as at a bird's eye view, because that's essentially what business owners do. That's that's a CEO mentality right there. Great. What's the big thing I want to accomplish? I want to be in every store, you know, in North America. How do I do that? Here's the here's the process goals that need to happen to do that. Cool. You want to re record and you want to make an album. What do you want to do with that album? Do you want to see it placed in movies? Do you want to sell 100,000 T-shirts of it? Like find the goals that make sense make them realistic, and create a plan that goes after that big goal. Who are your clients mostly? Are they mostly artists? So we have recently been working with a lot of music educators, service providers like freelancers, creative coaches, for instance. So like songwriting coaches, vocal coaches, producers who have their own studio that mix or make beats and want to find an audience around what they love. 
And on the side, well, you can think of it as like both of them are side hustles, both of them are main hustles. A lot of them are also artists that just want to release music. But now they've been able to tap into these skills that they that they love to do, make some money from it, and invest it back into themselves, um, touring the world or whatever it is that their endeavors are um, creatively. I know one of the things that you have to do is teach them to develop their brand, to be aware of what their brand is. But yet that's a code word for going to sleep almost. You know, you mentioned branding to any musician and their eyes glaze over. So how do you accomplish that? Well, I like to bring up brands that I know that they also like and they look up to and use them as case studies and say, you need to think like this as well. I use Apple a lot in in conversations like this because they're probably one of the biggest brands on this planet. And it's because they connected with their audience in such a deep level. They weren't selling things. They were selling emotions. And that's what, to me, what a brand is. Cool. You're an indie rock band that has like really um, nostalgic sounding music. Your brand is nostalgia. How can you portray that in videos or emails? Like that is going to be a part of the brand. That's what you're selling. And the music is just there to kind of paint that vision. Random example for you. But branding is really about what is that connection you have with your potential audience? It's not as much about what's my logo look like or what color scheme do I need? Those are elements of a brand that isn't branding though. That's one of the harder things to get your arms around, actually. I think for anybody, kind of figure those things out. Yeah, that and marketing. Eyes glaze over. Marketing. They're like, oh, I just need marketing. Talk to people in the DMs all the time. Everybody, everybody online is like, I need marketing. I'm like, cool. What do you exactly do you need? I just need more eyes. Like, is that what you think marketing is? Like, they just don't fully understand these crucial elements. Like, educate yourself a little bit. You're a fantastic artist. You're a fantastic creative. You're good at your craft, but now it's time to stack skills, learn marketing, take a marketing course, hire a coach that can help you dial in Facebook ads. Because trust me, if you can just have that one skill, whether you quit music tomorrow, you're always going to have that skill and be able to run Facebook ads, Facebook meta, Instagram ads. That's a skill you will need for till the end of time, most likely. So stacking these skills are super important. You don't know what branding is. You don't know what marketing is to its like finest detail. Find somebody who can show you how to, how to make it happen. I would imagine that many of your clients are kind of poor at monetizing what they do, or they're not as efficient as they could be. So how do you take them to another level? I think step number one is overcoming a lot of these limiting beliefs that I know creatives have. That starving artist mentality, I think, should be taken out back and, and shot. <laughs> it just shouldn't happen. Like you are not getting enough money at the the bar gig, and you're not getting enough money for your logo design because you're not asking for it enough. It's that simple. I wish it was more complex, but just ask for more money and provide value. So if you're not able to raise your prices, it's probably because you're not showcasing that emotional piece. You're not showcasing what value your thing is going to do. So honestly, it just comes down to raising the price. Creatives are just really bad at just like undervaluing themselves. And they're like, oh, I'm just going to, 
I'm just going to make this happen. It'll work eventually. Yeah. $20 an hour. And you're going to have to have like a thousand students for this, you know, coaching this, you know, guitar coaching or whatever it is to make ends meet. And now you're burnt out. It's not helping anybody. So raise your price. Have you been getting any feedback or pushback from your clients about AI and the fear that AI may be coming for their job, coming for their creativity? Yeah. I mean, I think it's got a lot of industries worried AI. I mean, I think it's just about how you use it, right? How can you use this automation stuff to make your life easier so you can get back to doing what you do best? Is AI going to completely take over a live band playing? Probably not in the next couple of years. Who knows? Yeah. It's able to write like pieces of content for you. Like, cool. Now you don't have to think about what content you need to make. You just go to chat GPT and you say, they come up with 10 pieces of content um, for a vocal coach who wants to focus on getting people over confidence issues. Boom. Now you can just focus on doing the thing. So spend less time dwelling about what if it takes my job and just more time implementing it and using the tools needed. I think of like the taxi industry when Uber first came out. A lot of taxi companies pushed back and were like, no, we're not going to do this. And with by not adopting to it and kind of rolling with the punches, a lot of taxi companies just went out of business because they were, they were, they were fighting it and saying, no, we're not going to adopt to it. Well, you're going to get left in the dust then. That's a good example of um, technology. If you don't use it, you're going you're gonna to lose it yeah. type of thing. So I, I feel the same way with, with AI, at least right now. Really cool, scary, exciting, frustrating things, but um, it can really help a lot of people and, and shave some time off of your daily schedule. I really jumped into this portion of technology a lot because I'm developing an AI for music production course program, I should say. And I sent out a, a survey to my list, which is quite large. And I asked him a number of questions about AI and two things came back that surprised me. The first one was, I'm not learning about AI right now because everything is moving so fast that whatever I learn today is going to be different tomorrow. And the second thing was, I'm really afraid that AI is going to drain my creativity. There won't be any room for my creativity left. Both of which are bogus, but I think it's a good sample, actually, of musicians because it's quite a large list and it was quite a good response. So, and I looked at that and I thought, wow, never would have expected the creativity part, yes, but not the fact that you're afraid because it's moving too fast, so you don't want to learn about it now. That's a thing that kind of bugged me and worried me. Yeah, neither of those things um, surprised me, to be honest, but the first one frustrates me because then they'll just never learn with that mentality. They're just never going to learn anything new. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. unfortunate. This, this world just moves really fast nowadays and we have to keep up with it. And that's why AI can pick up that slack. How can I use AI to take things off my plate so I can get be tapped into learning new things while they're, while it's moving fast. So use the tools that you have at hand. You, you have to. Speaking of moving fast, what trends do you see in the business besides AI? Because everybody knows about that. But are there any trends that you see in what you do that maybe have are different from last year? I think the coaching industry has been growing substantially since even COVID. Is it pushed people online? 
push people into this online mentality and people got comfortable with it. And now I think online coaches of anything, like anything you can think of, if I want to learn how to properly take care of my family of cactus, there's probably someone on there I could pay to help me do that and walk me through the process. Anything like what you said, AI for production course, that's super niche. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I think that's a big change. Maybe not in the past year, but uh, last article I read was like $850 billion industry potentially. It's like, wait, what? E-learning in general. So I think that's really getting up there. Um, I think what we're going to see is potentially a saturation of a lot of different coaches. So it's going to be really, it's going to really come down to quality. Can these coaches actually get you results in whatever industry? Because the ones that don't, I think, are going to get called out. And, you know, it's anything with saturation, you see that in music, too. Was it like 100,000 songs released every day? Like, holy crap, <laughs> it's a lot of music. When did you start Artist Collective? Um, I started it in 2013. So it's been about 10 years. Quite a while. And you've gone through the pandemic with it as well. So that's kind of interesting. What was the biggest thing that surprised you from when you started? And, and you go, well, I thought it was going to be this and it's actually this. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that that surprised me with, with Artist Collective and, and the business I was originally starting is, yeah, the pivoting, the, the pivoting, embracing the pivot, as I say. You think it's going to be this one thing, as you, as you just said, but it kind of evolves and it's important not to fight that. And I originally, you know, Bill AC to just support artists. Our original slogan was getting artists back to the music. So it really, it's just your philosophy and your, your North star and your core values should always be like pretty on point, but like the products and services you provide can shift, can evolve, um, can pivot. And I saw that happen many times in 10 years. I was marketing, I was doing artist management for a percentage. I was running ad campaigns. I was working with bands directly on this niche thing. And I was developing these skills as I was building the business. And I think the reason that we got to where we are in this success is because I didn't fight I didn't fight the evolution. I'm like, cool, it's this now. I'm just, I'm just rolling with the punches. Um, so yeah, I think that surprised me looking back. It's like, whoa, uh, it was, it was real different back there. <laughs> what happened? Um, but I'm definitely, you know, grateful and excited about the work that we're doing today. Kudos to you for recognizing that because there's so many people that would just keep their blinders on and stay where they're at. You make it really good, but that could limit your potential and the potential for your clients as a result. Oh, good that you recognize that. What's the biggest thing that you got right? Biggest thing that I got right was surrounding myself with smarter people than me. And I think that's another thing that holds a lot of business owners, artistpreneurs, whatever you want to call it back, is they want to be the smartest person in the room so they never grow. So I was constantly auditing my own skills, like, cool, where am I? Where do I, where do I shine at? Where are my opportunities? And how can I find people that fill in the gaps of my opportunities? Unless I just want to like learn that skill. So at the beginning, I was like <clears throat> wearing all the hats. I was marketer, manager, janitor, everything. And I just knew everything like, all right. And I found where I wanted to focus and I filled in the gaps with other people who were experts in that field. So, um, 
I think that's a, a strength of mine and something I think I did right is building a powerful team around me. That's hard. It's hard to let go of the control of all those things. It's something I fight all the time myself. So <laughs> yeah, I understand. So what are the steps then? You get a new client. What are the steps that you take them to where they want to go? Oh, that's a good question. Steps we take a new client to ensure that they get success would be one, develop what I call an irresistible offer around your existing creative skills. What are you doing that you love? What are you doing already that people probably come up to you and compliment you on? And you don't think anything of it. You're a genius at it, but you probably don't think you're a genius at it. So really stepping back and you know, looking at your skills and what you really want to do, that's probably where your offer lies somewhere. So take, we take, help them take that and build an irresistible high ticket offer typically around what it is that you're doing. Um, then we move to socials. We say, cool, how can we use social media to attract that mo your most ideal audience? What are they going through? What emotions are they feeling? Where are they at now? Where do they want to be? What emotions are in between? How do we paint that vision through short form content online to attract your audience to you for literally free? How do you talk to them? How do you get them onto a sales page or a training or whatever that might look like? So developing a social strategy is um, the second step. Um, then we really focus on, on, on marketing. How do we set up some paid strategies? Sometimes when people hear paid strategies, like I don't have that kind of money. Sometimes it could be a, a couple dollars a day and you can turn that into thousands of dollars if you can do it right. So we help them develop um, a strong but simple marketing strategy that brings people to them as well. Um, then it's all about sales, especially for creatives. Most creatives are really bad salespeople. They, you know, they lead with their heart, which I love that about them, but it's hard for them to sell themselves. So we help them develop um, a sales strategy around them, around their product and increase sales um, exponentially. So yeah, that's the four steps. Do you give them a script? Absolutely. Yeah. I was, you know, it's funny. I was on with the coach once and I knew the script in advance. And this was someone that was trying to sell me coaching services. Mm -hmm. And we get on a one-on-one -on -one and I knew exactly what was coming. You know, every time I, I, I knew and I knew, okay, here's the pause. And they're waiting for my response. So it was really interesting to turn the tables back on them because, you know, I just, <laughs> I knew it was coming. But that being said, it's still effective. And you're right. It's really difficult for a creative to sell themselves most of the time. They need some help. Yeah. I mean, I look at it this way. People love to buy, but they hate to be sold. Yeah. So when you look at it, like, cool, everybody knows they walk into a, a, a car lot. Dude's person's going to come out and try to get them to get them in the car. Everybody knows the strategy, yet people are buying cars <laughs> by the millions still. So if your product or service really can help the person in front of you, even if they know the script front to back, if it really can help you, it doesn't matter. You can sell them. But I think that's the, that's the point that's missing. Find out if they can really, if you can really help them drive those emotions, the same as the, the car salesman would like good car sales salesman is going to push that on if they really is. It's not right for them, um, though. Most might do it anyway. Yeah. yeah um, right. So we, we help creatives like, you know, sell with empathy, you know, don't sell being pushy sell by saying, Hey, listen, you've said all these things. You've said that you're a 10 out of 10. What's the problem? Like this, this is going to help solve your problem. I've got proof. I've got all this. So 
Um, we help them build that strategy that, that makes them not feel so icky. <laughs> okay, last question, Evan. What's the best piece of business advice that maybe you learned along the way or maybe somebody imparted to you? Yeah, great question. Best business advice I have ever received and I'm implementing daily at this point is do less better. Everybody's doing so many things in their business, in their life, et cetera. They're trying all these strategies, but you don't really realize that by putting little tiny pieces of your energy at a lot of things, you're not giving it your all truly. So until you put the blinders on and really hyper-focus on one strategy, one overall vision at a time, one big outcome goal, um, that's, I think, where you see the, the most success. Um, you race that, shine, that shiny object syndrome, catch it in its tracks, refocus, and just do less better. Okay. How did you learn to do that? Because th that's not an easy thing. Yeah, I think the, the, the goal setting helps. People have all these things they want in their head, but very few people I've found actually thinking about that strategically and writing it out. A simple strategy of outcome goals and process goals that I mentioned at the beginning is a great place to start. Once you have it written out, now it's hard. If you're not doing these things on your piece on your on your list, if you're doing things that aren't on your list, you're distracted, basically. So what's the big thing you want to accomplish? Great. Big thing I want to accomplish this year is I want to I want to generate hundred thousand dollars doing my thing, doing this this program or with my music or whatever it is. What do you need to make that happen? Well, I need ten clients a month at this price point. Great. I need to start this many conversations a day to make that happen. I need to you know activate this one ad that brings in this many people. See, I'm just dissecting the one big goal now. Only do the things on your list. Anything else is a distraction. You can find out more about Evan and Artist Collective at artistcollect.com. That's artist, A-R-T-I-S-T, collect, C-O-L-L-E-C-T.com. Thanks for listening and being in my inner circle. Remember, if you have any questions or comments, you can send them to questions at bobbyosinski.com. Remember that you can learn all about the latest in music, audio, and production news when you sign up for my newsletter at bobbyosinski.com. There, you'll also find out about openings for my latest online classes and special events. That's bobbyosinski.com. To listen to the episodes of Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle, go to bobbyosinski.com and select the podcast tab, or go to bobbyoinnercircle.com, or you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, Mixcloud, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, TuneIn Radio, Radio Public, and Podbean. At bobbyosinski.com and bobbyoinnercircle.com, I'll also find a sign-in form for my newsletter and for alerts for new podcasts. This is Bobby Osinski. I will see you next time.